1: Week 17 is upon us, and welcome to the Week 17 Matchup Podcast here at fantasypoints.com. I am John Hansen, Greg Cosell standing by, ready to rock and roll. This podcast, we do it weekly. It's kind of a sample of the offerings that we get from Greg Cosell from his film study, and obviously winding down here. But if you're still playing, you can go to fantasypoints.com, create a free account that'll trigger a seven day trial and get you full access to everything. So check that out if you're still battling in fantasy in Week 17. Greg, before we get into your notes and uh, all the matchups, got to ask you um, your thoughts on John Madden. I don't know if you have a John Madden story. I don't know if there's anything in particular that stands out to you. Um, You know, the news came down, and, you know, I actually got quite emotional, and it was a multi-level thing. It was kind of like my entire life of football fandom started with John Madden. You know, I'm a Vikings fan. You know, one of the first games I remember was that Super Bowl where John Madden won. And then, of course, 35 years later, I ended up getting to know John Madden, which is one of the coolest things of all time. But uh, very emotional last night. Greg, um, what stands out to you when it comes to John Madden? I know that's a very difficult question.
0: Well, you know, you'd probably be surprised. And, and I heard from a lot of people today who, who just made the assumption. But I've been this is my 42nd season with NFL Films, John. Yeah. I never met John Madden. So, you know, obviously he was a major part of my career simply because I've been with NFL Films, but I don't have any John Madden stories. I don't have, you know, any particular remembrances other than because I'm old, I remember him through all his his situations. You know, I remember him as a coach, I remember him as a broadcaster. I've never played a video game in my life so yeah. I I know the the importance of the Madden game in our culture but you know I never I'm I'm not a video game guy cuz that was not the year in which I grew up so uh you know obviously he's you can't talk about the NFL and the growth of the NFL without talking about John Madden but uh you know many were surprised cuz I I got all these texts today and you know people just assuming that I You know, John Madden and I were big buddies. Well, uh, you know, he
1: didn't really commiserate out there with a lot of people. That's why I felt it was like a big deal that he became interested in me from my spots on Sirius. And then I went out there and met him. He actually volunteered to voice a a, a voice, a promo for me. Like it was ridiculous. Like,
0: yeah, no, I mean, you're very fortunate because, like I said, there's many others I've gotten to know uh, through the years. You know, as you know, I, I knew Bill Walsh pretty well and spent a lot of time with him. Yeah, that it's was a, big one. a major highlight of my career. Yep. But I never met John Madden. Yeah. So, you know, it's a it's a tremendous loss. Uh and, and just what he meant to football. Um, you know, and just you know, from a personal standpoint, um I'm not sure that there'd be an NFL matchup show without John Madden, you know, yeah. sort of starting out and doing you know, X and O football in kind of a fun, entertaining way. Cause that's what he did.
1: You know, and also obviously, you know, I'm a little too young to remember much of the coaching. He retired when I was like 10, I, I certainly know he's great, but I mean, he really changed a lot in terms of broadcasting on, oh. uh, you know, in terms of being original and creative and not sticking with the, you know, the norms. He also was the first to do like the production meeting. Yep. Go to practice. Like in terms of and, that, you know, like he did a lot of in, and, in and broadcast we'll get
0: onto the games, but people forget. You know, there was no red zone, there was no Sunday ticket. So, you know, if you were a football fan watching the games, you got two games or three games at most in your market. And when John Madden did a game, you knew that that man, that game was important. You better be watching that game.
1: Oh my God, yeah. Wh- which to me was like literally the most flattering thing probably that's ever happened to me. For John Madden to, to say really anything positive about me I, I kind of think he actually you know I'm sure he liked my content I kind of got the feeling even meeting him he kind of just liked me personally he, we we kind of we kind of connected a little bit you know he he really thought it was impressive how I kind of started a little cottage industry and all that so uh big loss and we'll never forget John Madden for nope. sure I know I won't that's for sure one of the career highlights Uh, For yours truly, but Greg, uh, let's get into it here. Week uh, seventeen. Let's start with the Bengal offense. You watched that tape. We were all over that last week. It was a pretty obvious call. Uh, How impressive was Joe Burrow? Uh, Was this his best game of the season?
0: Oh, he was very impressive. You know, uh, I mean, the numbers say it was his best game of the season, but I mean, he was efficient from the pocket. He played with timing and rhythm. He showed really high level elimination and isolation traits. He managed the pocket really well. He has excellent pocket movement. He made second reaction throws when forced to leave the pocket. It was a big-time performance. And keep in mind, there were probably three or four plays in this game, John. And when I'm watching the tape, I had to keep rewinding to make sure I was seeing it right. But I was seeing it right. Where the Ravens actually doubled all three wide receivers. Wow. Think about that. Damn. So what they did is they rushed three. They played man-to-man against the back and the tight end, and then they doubled all three wide receivers. In fact, he hit Higgins near the end of the first half. I believe it was near the end of the first half on a 52-yard completion. I don't know if you remember it. Yeah. yeah, That, That was a play in which all three wide receivers were doubled. Damn. And Burrow was very aggressive throwing the ball. I've talked about that all year, how aggressive he is throwing the ball down the field.
1: And they play a lot of zone, I bet, because they were all so down in the secondary.
0: Um, yeah, they, they were down. Now, it, it's funny you say that. Their coverage foundation was more zone than man. They featured a lot of split safety concepts. Clearly, injuries and COVID have changed uh, defensive coordinator Martindale's coverage approach because this was an aggressive man team, and I'm sure he just doesn't feel comfortable. Certainly not against those three wideouts as well, but he did not feel comfortable playing a lot of man coverage.
1: Burrow taking on the Chiefs, much more difficult matchup. Uh I guess we, we throw out last week because it's a much different, I guess, scheme in terms of man zone and, and personnel wise. Uh I'm sure you you're we should feel pretty good about where Burrow is right now, health wise the way he's playing. But what are your thoughts on uh the challenging matchup here? Spagnola's defense, they're they're playing pretty damn well.
0: I'd say two things would stand out. Number one, when you watch the Bengals, as well as Burrow is playing and as well as their offense works at times, I would say that their O-line struggles with one-on-one pass protection at times. Mm-hmm. And obviously they face a much greater challenge with the Chiefs D-line than they did with the Ravens. So that's one challenge. Yeah. The second challenge is the Chiefs play a lot of cover two, but they get to it in a lot of different ways. They don't just line up in cover two and say, here we are. There's a lot of disguise. There's a lot of latent movement. And Matthew always ends up being the middle hole defender. And he's very, very good in that role because of his ability to be uh, to play with awareness and his understanding of routes and concepts. So they're going to ask Burrow to have to see things after the snap of the ball. Uh, he'll have to decipher things and he's more than capable of doing it but the point is it just becomes a little more difficult so this is a more difficult matchup than the one they just had versus the ravens defense for sure for
1: sure and you could you could run the ball obviously and uh, you got joe Mixon there that's a nice little uh crutch. and i would imagine going forward when the bengal's are drafting young you know rookies like we're focusing on the o line here like we like we're good would, at receiving
0: i would think so I, w- I mean, look, they have young receivers. They don't need receivers. They've got young receivers. Yeah, yeah. Um, By the way, you know, uh, they may th- they, look, they may think in terms of a tight end as well. Yeah, um, sure, sure. But I think the O-line is really, really important because the last thing you want is to have all these you know, these pretty objects on the outside with a great young quarterback and not be able to protect him the way you'd really like to.
1: I guess Riley Reif, uh, I think he's been out for a little while, but I guess he held down the fort fairly well, but yeah. That was the big call, obviously, Panay Sewell or or Jamar Chase. And by the way, quickly, uh, I don't think anyone knew T. Higgins would be this good. I mean, is that fair? I mean, he was a good prospect. Um, He's damn
0: good. I, You know, I, I, I'm not going to pull up my notes right now on T. Higgins, John, but I think if you look at my notes yeah. from okay. my evaluation, you'd see that I was closer to believing he'd be like this than not.
1: Well, I do remember – there were complaints about his time speed and you're like, don't worry about it. It's play speed, right?
0: Yeah. Well, he ran, he ran the same time speed, by the way, as, as Michael Thomas and DeAndre Hopkins. And, uh, you know, so that, that time speed is, is just not that big a deal. Right. Yeah. you know, Unless you run a four, eight. Um, so this is what T Higgins, this is his third year. Correct. Second. Second. He was,
1: Am I crazy here? So oh, he Jeez. came out in
0: what draft?
1: Twenty twenty. Uh, I'm pretty sure this is his uh, second year. Let's take a look here. Yeah, second year, twenty twenty.
0: Okay, so I'm just looking at my. I decided to pull out my notes. Yeah, John. second
1: rounder. I mean, he was the 33rd overall pick of the draft, so that I means yeah. it's no slouch here for sure. Maybe I personally underrated. Here was a my bit.
0: final transition point. The more I watched Higgins, the more I liked him. He has plus play speed and excellent hands with the ability to make tough catches. He is a natural hands catcher with excellent size and length. And that almost always transitions well to the NFL. He nailed it. Yeah. So that's what I said.
1: I mean, you, you 100% nailed that. I guess I was a little concerned about the, 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 the lack of elite quickness. I don't even know what I, I I didn't, I wasn't down on him. I just didn't think he would be this good, but it's neither here nor there. Um, it just a small little variation I liked from
0: like his, I liked his college tape. I'm just rereading i'm not, I'm not gonna sit here and read my whole evaluation. People can obviously see it uh but I like T. Higgins. I thought he was a really good prospect,
1: yeah, I guess I just didn't think I just didn't think he'd be a stud, you know, and I, maybe he's not a stud yet, but man, the numbers have been quite stud like
0: well, he's over a thousand he's obviously on a team that throws the ball a lot,
1: yeah. Man, he's really getting it done late in, late in the year here, though. That, that's the thing. Like, he's putting up gargantuan numbers last month or so. While we're talking uh, Ravens D, you also saw Matt Stafford, who was a big disappointment this past week. I guess talk about what you saw, what happened. I guess he may, did he just miss some throws? Um, yeah, and then, it's,
0: it's funny. You know, <clears throat> he's had an odd year. I mean, you can't say he's played poorly, obviously. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, he's played well. And he's made some outstanding wow throws. I mean, he's that kind of thrower. But he's also missed some fairly routine throws that he's more than capable of making. And it seems like that shows up every week. Um, and then he'll make, you know, as I said, great throws. So clearly the numbers from a fantasy perspective are outstanding. Um, I think he's got 34s, touchdowns, something like that.
1: Thirty-five.
0: Um, yeah, so it's not as if there's a problem, John, from a fantasy perspective or from a film perspective you know you don't come away going oh that's bad but he he, it seems like he just misses a few every week
1: he's had a he's been a little bit of a brain fart guy over the years
0: um maybe but but you know it's i mean obviously look as you probably know okay because you know you do the numbers in the last four weeks no running back has had has had more rushing attempts or rushing yards than Sony Michelle, and that probably would surprise a lot of people who may not be heavily into the fantasy world. You know, people think Jonathan Taylor, who's second in both those categories, but Sony Michelle leads in rushing attempts and rushing yards in the last four weeks. They've yeah. been running the ball.
1: Oh yeah, and and you know a lot of moving parts. <laughs> you lost Robert Woods. The offense has been, I mean, they really haven't truly settled in on an identity for the year like you know it's kind of been fluid you know and then you know now they're transitioning more of a you know you say power running game but they were they do the outside zone i mean they're they're heavy
0: i think there was only one run in this in his 27 carries maybe in which there was a gap scheme where they pulled someone every other run was a zone concept
1: right Right, how's Michelle look? You know, but he was a big sleeper of mine. Actually, no one was really giving him love, and I'm like, you know what? I, I I was feeling it. I was a little late, but hey, I mean, the guy, like you said, he's been a fantasy difference maker here the last month plus.
0: Yeah, I think he shows shows a good feel for the tempo and pace of the different zone runs. I think he's got an innate ability to read defensive flow and find the cutback lanes. I wouldn't call him explosive, John, but I think that there's a a kind of a natural power to him he runs hard um you know he he's he can manipulate defenders uh in with his path uh he's got short area burst he's got some power he finishes you know he's he's that kind of runner he's kind of a sustainer which by the way for those two years in new england he was the same back as well
1: yeah i mean there's a lot to like here i mean he's a sustainer but he's not a he's not a plotter or like no no not at all a grinder either i mean he's in my opinion he's he's just a notch or two below like you know that the the premier guys you know maybe this year maybe that's a little strong but you know good versatility as well uh and um this week though i would imagine that McVay and stafford can break down this depleted raven secondary basically greg right i mean this well, you
0: is you would think i yeah. mean again you would think yes
1: yeah Moving on here, the Fantasy Points Podcast Week 17, along with John Hansen and Greg Cosell. Well, let's talk Niners offense because, well, uh, maybe we'd scrap what we saw out of uh, Jimmy Garoppolo uh, and get your thoughts on Trey Lance. It it does feel like we're trending toward a Trey Lance. I I
0: have zero thoughts on Trey Lance. Right. I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are. I have zero thoughts because the last time he played was Week 5. And all he did was run for the most part, and they ran him on design run after design run after design run, which I think tells you something right there. So we don't know where he is. I couldn't begin to tell you what he might be. Uh, you know, if he ha- if he was the starter this week.
1: Well, I mean, Kyle Shanahan did say that he's made a lot of progress over the last five or six weeks running the scout team. So, you know, he's I'm sure he's learning. It is a good matchup. It's in San Fran. They'll be all about their running game. They're going to get Eli Mitchell back. They'll probably still work in Wilson. So I would think this is a good spot for maybe a, a, a productive day here. On, on 19 attempts, I'm sure. But I would think, Greg, given the fact that they should have a very strong running game in this matchup, that they can work <clears throat> off of that. And he's got Kittle. He's got Debo. He's got Ayuk. It's a lot to work with.
0: Yeah, and I think your point is is well taken. If he starts, you're going to see them run the football. There's no question about it.
1: Um, yeah, no doubt. You know, um, that, Tannehill uh, played pretty well on tape uh, last week, Greg. Uh, obviously, A.J. Brown blew up. I, I just don't know about this week uh, in that matchup. I mean, they're amazingly thin, and this Dolphin D is, is nasty here. I mean, a lot of people are going to be rolling with A.J. Brown, probably get 15 targets, but um, – what do you think here? I mean, I don't even know if Westbrook Akeen is is going to play because he's hurt or on COVID. I, I mean, it's unbelievable, Greg. They, they may go in here with Tannehill, like three Jag tight ends, A.J. Brown, that's about it.
0: <clears throat> well, Tannehill was really good last week. I thought it was a Tannehill game more than an A.J. Brown game. Tannehill was phenomenal on third down. Now, he played against a defense that didn't disrupt routes off the ball. Uh, So there was free access pretty much all the time. Uh, Almost all the big third down completions came versus zone. So they're not going to be playing the same style of defense this week with Miami. Miami will be aggressive. They will show pressure fronts. They will blitz and they will play man. Miami plays a very high percentage of cover one. They're among the league leaders, John, in playing cover one. So this will be a totally different challenge for Tannehill in the pass game. Totally different.
1: I mean, he's normally good against Cover One, but that's when he's got some weapons and yeah. Derrick Henry, you know. So yeah,
0: I mean, they did not run the ball well last week. As I said, the difference in that game against the Niners was Tannehill's third down passing. That was the difference in that game.
1: Now the Niners, while we're there, uh, they're they're pretty shaky at, at corner, as you know, and you've seen the tape. Yeah. I tell you what, Davis Mills, man, I, we've talked about this for a number of weeks. Uh, you can solidify build a wall in front of this guy he'll he'll matriculate the ball down the field here i mean continues to look pretty good there in the pocket and this is a beatable matchup on the outside at least against the niners
0: yeah one thing we've seen with the niners is they play a lot of zone they play a lot of split safety so um yeah uh, you know to mills to me He's an interesting guy to watch because he's a very easy, natural thrower. It looks like he exerts no effort throwing the ball. He's aggressive throwing it. He'll make some misreads, but I think that's a function of his inexperience. Um, I think if you get people around him at this point in his career, he struggles a bit. And, you know, obviously, if I read to you the names of their five offensive linemen from left to right, John, I wonder how many people would know these names. Christian, Toner, Morrissey, Sharping, and Heck. That was that's the te- Texans' offensive line from left to right.
1: Yeah, I I don't I'm not very familiar with those people. I mean, well, I know I know the starters.
0: One. So that's where you know the Niners would certainly hope that they could create pressure on Davis Mills and force him to play fast into errant throws, which, by the way, could very well happen.
1: Yeah, true, very true. Uh, moving on here, Week 17, most important weekend in the history of fantasy football. Eagle offense. I guess it's a weekly check in here with, with with Jalen Hurts. Uh, I see your notes. They went with uh, more eleven personnel. Um, do you read into that at all? I mean, they're still. one do
0: The week before when they played Washington, who they're now playing again this week, they played high percentage twelve personnel. So mm. I don't, I don't know the answer to that.
1: Right, right.
0: I don't know what they'll do this week. I mean, obviously, this was not a Dallas Goddard week. The week before against Washington was a Dallas Goddard week. Um, their pass game is very limited. It's, it's kind of elementary in terms of route concepts. Um, so it's, they're really a running football team and the pass game kind of works off that, uh, you know, each week hurts gets better with his ankle. It wouldn't surprise me this week. If we start to see some more design quarterback runs just cause he's another week healed from his ankle injury.
1: Yeah. And we may not have William Jackson, um, for the football team. Right. So that hurts him a little bit, they seem to be falling off. So, so at this point, Hurts is still kind of a individual play guy, right? Makes a couple good plays yeah. with his arm.
0: And they run the ball. Absolutely. I mean, their pass game, right now they're a team. And, again, it, you know, obviously they can win. Um, and they've been winning. And, and one can debate quality of competition all day long, obviously. But they've been winning, running the ball. Not really – I guess the way I'd say it, John, is right now the Eagles – their pass game and their run game cannot operate independently of one another right now. You know, you want to get there as an offense. You do not want to have your pass game and run game have to be tied together in order to function offensively. Because when you play better opponents and you get to play better defenses, you don't want to say, well, if we can't run, we can't pass. You right. want to be able to do each one independently, depending on the given game. The Eagles are not at that point right now.
1: Do you feel that the plays he has made the last two months in the passing game, those have been aided by their effective running game?
0: Well, certainly not every single one. Right, I mean, he is right. an NFL starting quarterback. It's yeah, not like he no. can't throw it at all. Right. But for the most part, they're not really. Uh, I mean, they're not really a drop back passing team. Yeah, He's in the gun almost all the time. But they're not really a team that that can you know drops back and, and throws the ball very often.
1: Yeah, Um, I hear you. I mean, that's not what they are. As great as as their running game has been, you still don't get the feeling that this is healthy, you know, this offense. You know,
0: the other thing about the Eagles, which is important in this game versus the, the football team, is the Eagles in their last eight games have only allowed one team to rush for 100 yards, John. You know, because of the Eagles' offense, no one has talked about the vast improvement that their defense has made over the second half of this season. The only team they allowed 100 yards rushing to was the um, New Orleans Saints. And other than that, they've not allowed a 100-yard rushing game in their last eight games. And and obviously, we know that Washington would like to run the football. That's where they really want to start their offense.
1: Well, the Eagle D should have no problems then because, you know, Gibson's clearly not close to 100%. They may play Allen a little at quarter a quarterback, you're going to get Slay at times on McLaurin, if not all the time, to sh- shut him down. I, I don't know how the football team is going to move the ball. Um, yeah, Slay,
0: Slay did line up over McLaurin a lot two weeks ago when they played in the Tuesday night game. Um, it wasn't always man coverage, but he did line up over him.
1: No Miles Sanders. Uh, Jordan Howard mispractice, um, dealing with a the stinger there early in the week. We, we could be looking at, at Boston Scott, kind of. Kenny Gainwell. Yeah. Little Kenny Gainwell. It's, it's really a nightmare for fantasy because if you think it's a Scott game, it'll be a Gainwell game and and vice versa, although not much for Gainwell, but you know, what are your impressions of Boston Scott this year? I mean, we haven't talked about him a lot, but he could be a 15, 20 touch guy this week.
0: He could be for sure. And I think, you know, once or twice he can do that. Um, you know, obviously their offensive line has been so, so good. so So it's, uh, uh, you know, I think that, my guess is they'll run the ball. You know, I can't speak to the yardage. You know, they only, they only rushed for 130 last week, and people have been asking me all week, what happened to the Eagles' run game? <laughs> you know, I mean, they rushed for 130 yards. Most teams would take that in a heartbeat.
1: Yeah. Uh, let's move on to Dallas. Looks like their offense obviously turned a corner. I mean, this was a, this a pretty dramatic improvement here, I guess, from Dak. Well, but.
0: They played a team that was really down people. And I think they decided that, you know what, in order for us to go deep in the playoffs, we're going to need to throw the ball. We're going to need to be a throwing football team because quite frankly, since about week five, they've not been able to run the ball very well at all. So they needed to get Dak and that passing game back on track. And it was just what the doctor ordered. They played a team that was down players on defense, meaningful players on defense. And Prescott threw the ball 35 times in the first half alone.
1: Oh, I know. Oh. Zeke only got like ten touches in a yeah. game where they blew him out. I thought Zeke looked pretty good though. He definitely looked better. Did you you pick up on that on tape? Uh
0: I don't think he has the, the burst, John. I, I I don't think he really separates at the second level the way he used to.
1: Yeah. I saw I saw an improvement there, though, from previous weeks for sure. And he he's he talked about that. Um Cardinals, too, uh they have been quite shaky on the back end, a bunch of guys on the injury report. So, you know, you got to think it's a pretty good matchup here. Yeah. I would
0: think they're going to look to, uh, to try to get ahead early in this game and then let their defense, you know, eat as they say, or work, whatever Um, the cards, the last two weeks have really struggled on offense and they've struggled against particular tactics, the lions and the Colts, both pressured a lot, particularly on third down. And, they um they played a lot of man. I mean yeah. this past week the Colts every third down but one they blitzed. And the week before the Lions played very very aggressively against them and they've been having all kinds of problems on offense in reacting to pressure and man coverage.
1: Yeah, and and Dallas can do that all day long.
0: Oh, Dallas has the highest percentage of cover 1 in the league. They play a ton of man and they can rush the quarterback with four. They can bring Parsons. I mean, Dallas has a very, very good defense with playmakers at all three levels.
1: We were very concerned about Kyler last week, and you know, I would argue he he didn't play as well as the two forty five slash one look. Honestly, I mean, I didn't see all the every snap, but um, this is a a lot of people worried about Kyler. So once again, potentially. Unless he runs, they play a lot of man, of course. He could run. He ran for seventy four yards last week against a defense that plays a lot of man.
0: He had one long run. Other than that, though, he didn't really run.
1: I know. I know. Yeah. That that's like a touchdown. That's like a rushing touchdown, though. That one run was was basically like one and a half touchdown passes in terms of fantasy. So Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Without
0: question. Yeah.
1: But but again, we were right to be concerned, and we're concerned this week, again, about this matchup.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, all I can do is go by what the tape has shown. Is he talented, Kyler Murray? Can he make plays? Absolutely. And he can make spectacular plays. And he, could he do that this week? For sure. But the tape has shown that in the last two weeks, they've clearly struggled with pressure and man coverage.
1: A.J. Green, and any thoughts there? Is he still...
0: A.J. Green did not have a target until the second half. Yeah. And, John, you and I know this. If you There's no excuse for that. You can always throw a ball to a wide receiver. That's not on AJ Green. That that's on on the staff and on the quarterback. You can always throw a ball to a wide receiver.
1: I was just curious how, how, if you had any thoughts on how he's looked lately, last two, three, four weeks. I mean, you I you know always relate him to Julio. They well, came out the by, same year.
0: He ran by Xavier Rhodes on a on a thirty three yard completion in the in the third quarter.
1: All right, good. Well, that's what I'm looking for. You yeah, know, I
0: mean, he ran by him. So again, you know. is he what he was five years ago? No, of course not. But, uh, you know, right now I think their past offense is a little bit dysfunctional. And, you know, it was like Seattle. There's nothing wrong with DJ Metcalf, but you got to throw him the ball.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like Zach Ertz is just kind of taking over, you know, as a big slot receiver, and it's just dink and dunk to Zach Ertz. you want to throw
0: five-yard balls, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um. Oh, quickly, Bill's offense, you know, I think – I know it's week 17, but at this point, Josh Allen might be a little up and down. doesn't matter. He's bouncing – every time it seems like he's had a bad game, it always seems like he bounces back, and that was the case on Sunday.
0: Well, they're the most quarterback-centric team in the league. They asked their quarterback to do everything. everything. And he's a pretty special talent, but you can't do everything, every play, every week. It's not yeah. possible. True. So – it's there. There's going to be great moments. Look, he had a great game against New England this past week, but I watched the tape, obviously, and there are still a few he missed that I guarantee he would love to have back. But I think that's just the kind of quarterback he is. He'll miss a few, but he's a special player. Uh, the way he moves for that size, the way he throws a football, um, but they're so quarterback-centric, John. You know, Now they're playing Atlanta, so this does not look like a, a difficult matchup per se, because Atlanta does not have a lot of big-time players on the on defense. Dean Pease will try to show him different things, a lot of disguise, a lot of late movement. Uh, we'll see. Um, they control their own destiny right now. If they win out, they win the division.
1: Yeah, I don't know if Dean Pease is going to be blitzing, Allen. I mean, it could get burned there. Um,
0: could. I mean, and, and, and obviously, as you know, they have all their players back.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, so, I, I see in your notes that they were a little bit more vertical, and all of a sudden now you got McKenzie. Well, that's because they
0: played against a, a team that played a lot of man. So you could run away. See, McKenzie, in an odd way, McKenzie was a, probably a more impactful player than Beasley would have been against the Patriots because McKenzie can run away from man coverage. And they actually exploited the McKenzie-Miles-Bryant matchup in that game, the slot corner for the Patriots, number 41. Right. Beasley's not that kind of receiver. Beasley's very good in other areas, but he's not the kind of receiver that's going to run away from man coverage.
1: Yeah, no. And, um, you know, Manny Sanders falling off, and we can't use him, but between him and Dawson Knox and Gabe Davis and Beasley. Well,
0: there's only so many, you know, balls to, you know, all these guys can't have 10 targets.
1: Right, so it'll be... Presumably, you know the the guys who are going to get the scraps would be McKenzie and probably Gabe Davis. Uh, Patriot offense and any thoughts on, you know, this is a little little disappointing couple week run here for for Mac Jones. It wasn't. Uh, look, you got to give credit to the defense sometimes. You well, know, uh, Sean McDermott too. knows what the hell he's doing too.
0: They've been behind, and they haven't been behind a whole lot this year. And th- then you got to start dealing with, um, uh, you know. A young quarterback being behind, where they can't just rely on the run game, and and their defense was giving up yards.
1: Right, so not 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 really a much much of a knock on on Mac Jones here, and uh, that'll wrap it up. And we thank you for listening to the podcast, subscribing to the feeds, and all that good stuff. Uh, obviously, check out everything else so that we do. And if you're not a subscriber to FantasyPoints.com and you're still playing fantasy football in Week 17, head over to FantasyPoints.com sign up for a free basic account that will trigger a seven-day trial subscription. So you'll have full access for the rest of the week. And with that said, we wish you luck in week 17. We'll be back next week for one last matchup podcast for Great Cosell. I'm John Hanson. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for tuning in to
0: this edition of the fantasy points podcast.